This forum is airing live on KTOO 104.3 and KAUK 91.7 and KINY AM 800 and 94.9 FM. You can watch this on KTOO's Facebook page, KTOO.org, JunoEmpire.org, and JunoLWV.org. We're everywhere tonight. Uh, so we're going to get started. In 2020, Juno moved to a by-mail format because of the pandemic. This will be the city's third by-mail election. Ballots were mailed out to registered voters on yesterday, uh, September 13th, and should be arriving in mailboxes soon. After voting, there are three ways to get your ballots back to election officials. You can drop them off in the mail with postage, but the city encourages getting the post office hand cancel the postage with a legible date on the postmark. Hundreds of ballots in this la in last year's elections were rejected because of the postmarking issues. Ballots can also be placed in secure drop boxes that will be available. There are three seats on the assembly that will appear. In each race, the incumbent is running unopposed. Carol Treem is running for the area-wide seat, Greg Smith running for District 1, and Wade Bryson is running for District 2. Candidates will have one minute to make their opening statements. Then we'll start asking questions. Each candidate will have 55 seconds to respond to each question. Then we'll move down the line so everyone has a chance to answer first. We'll wrap up with one minute closing statements. Be mindful of the timer on your screens, candidates. Um, there will be a pleasant ding uh, when your time is up and we're gonna try to keep things moving along. Um, so wrap up when you see it getting close to zero. Uh, okay, we're going to get started. Um, Carol Treem, you're up first. Uh, one minute opening statement. Thank you. Hi, everybody. My name is Carol Treem. I've been on the assembly for four years now, so this uh, you might have heard me before. I was born and raised in Petersburg, and I moved to Juneau eight and a half years ago to work for the state. I've worked for the state in a number of positions and recently just moved to a job at the Alaska Municipal League. I'm running for another term um, because I want to keep doing the important work that we've already started. Namely, my number one priority at the moment is housing, which I think you'll probably hear a lot tonight from my other, my fellow assembly members and fellow candidates. But longer term, I'd also like to take a look at the way we budget and perhaps be more responsive in our budgeting to kind of help taxpayers save money. And I don't have enough time to get into that in the next 10 seconds, but hopefully in one of these later questions, I can get into that in more detail. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. All right. Thank you, Carol Treem. Greg Smith, you're up next. Thank you, um, KINYK2 and everyone for having this forum tonight. Good to speak with you. Um, I'm Greg Smith, running for my second term on the Juno Assembly. Uh, born and raised in Juno, graduated JDHS, went outside for about 10 years, and then have been back for about eight or nine. Um, kind of like Carol said, there's just good work still need to be done. I think we did some good work already on addressing just commu key community issues that I, I believe we can all kind of agree on. Childcare, housing, um, economic development, um, but still a lot more work to be done. Um, housing being a key issue. I also kind of want to keep working towards our climate goals, um, trying to get more federal jobs to town, solid waste, um, and, and, and then and, and childcare is still kind of a continued issue, but um, still more work to do and, and looking forward to doing it. All right. Thanks, Greg Smith. Wade Bryson, you have one minute. Uh, thank you. I've been glitching as I was listening here. So if I go out, I'm just glitchy right now. Uh, my name is Wade Bryson. Uh, I'm thankfully uh, running for my second full term. I uh, have done four years like uh, Ms. Treem. I finished the mayor's last year of her term uh, before she became, um, once she became mayor. Um, I've been in Juneau for 27 years. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Christine, for 19 years. partner in the Juno Bike Doctor, and I have old buildings and try and fix them up. Um, I've been the host of Problem Corner for about 14 years that I took over from Senator Regan, and that's been a great uh, position doing, and hopefully uh, you guys were able to hear all that. Um, 
yeah, I really appreciate the community giving us another opportunity to continue serving at Juno. Thank you. Thank you, Wade Bryson. So now we're going to go ahead and get on with the questions. So we're going to begin with Carol Treem. How can the CBJ best support its oldest citizens so that they can remain in Juno? You have 55 seconds. So this is a really important question because I think we're seeing that our population is aging and the assembly a few years ago uh, worked with partners to bring the senior assisted living facility to town and I think supporting that effort and perhaps more I don't know that that's going to be enough housing for seniors as they as our population continues to age so I would like to keep uh, that as an option as well. Um, and then also, I think if we work on the cost of living, a lot of seniors live on fixed incomes and bringing the cost of living down where we can. We've talked about sales tax ideas that may or may not help seniors, but there's other ideas out there. Um, sales tax on utilities, not just on food. There's a variety of ideas we can talk about that will bring down the cost of living and help those seniors who are working on a fixed income. All right, I think I can go with the timer, I believe. Alrighty, so thank you, Carol. Um, we're gonna go ahead and um, have Greg, Greg Smith um, talk. You have 55 seconds. Thank you. Um, keeping seniors in town is, is a key thing. And I, I think it's, um, they, they contribute so much to our community with volunteering um, and a multitude of other things, caring for children. Um, housing is key. Uh, excited to see the, the new senior living center open, I believe next year. Um, and then there's also some other key things, quality of life and making sure that there's good recreational um, facilities and opportunities for them. And, and also I've heard one thing is trying to make sure we have a workforce to be able to provide care either at their house, at their homes um, or, or at something like a senior living facility. I think it's also paying attention to just sometimes some small things like awnings downtown so people have areas they can walk that are free of snow, making sure sidewalks and things are in good repair. All righty, thank you, Greg Smith. Wade Bryson, you have 55 seconds. Excellent. Um, so my answer is housing, housing, housing. Housing so that we can bring down the cost of housing. so that uh, the employees of the medical field have places to live and that we can recruit to Juno. Um, Juno has had a medical uh, industry kind of breakthrough. And so there has been a lot of development and um, you know, new medical facilities being built in Juno. So um, Trillium Landing, the senior center that we uh, did tax abatement for is a great example. So it'll take all of those components together to make sure that we are moving Juno forward um, so that we can have uh, Juno as a great place to retire. Thank you. Alrighty, thank you, Wade Bryson. Jennifer has the next question. We'll start with Greg Smith on this one. What do you propose to attract and retain a younger workforce in Juno? You have 55 seconds. Yeah, key question. Um, I mean, I think it's some obvious things like affordable housing, childcare, good jobs. Um, and then I also think, again, I think some of it does go back to quality of life. I'm hearing about more young people who love Juno and love the recreation that we have, um, just the, how, how nice things are day to day, um, the access to outdoors activities and that type of thing. Um, but I think it's probably some of the basics. House, housing and affordable housing they can afford, um, childcare for their families, and then good jobs. Um, and I think probably more as we're seeing as, as a result of the pandemic, quality internet so people can work remotely. Thanks. Great, and I my script my script is out of order. I've got Wade Bryson up next, so sorry, Carol. I don't want to. I don't want to get all confused here. So, <laughs> Wade Bryson, fifty-five seconds. Uh, yes. Uh, again, the answer is going to be housing, housing, and housing. Uh, we are throwing the kitchen sink at developing housing, so that uh, people have places to live when they come to work. Uh, this summer, even the tour operators were having a difficult time 
uh, fully housing and staffing their businesses. So we have to make some pretty great strides here uh, so that we can uh, recruit the current workforce that we need and have uh, room for growth for the workforce that we're hoping to attract. Um, Carol and or Greg, we can all are probably going to say the same answers because we've all been going through the same meetings. Uh, recreation activities, keeping an eye on the cost of living, um, the sales tax uh, issue that we're uh, that we've really been looking at. Um, all of these things will contribute to that. Thank you. Thank you, Carol Treem. Fifty-five seconds. Um, are you sick of us? saying housing yet because that's also what i would say first i mean that's our that's our immediate problem is housing also childcare, and it's it's really i've been really sad people that we've lost from this community who have left and they've specifically said it's because they cannot afford to live here they want to buy a home and they can't afford that here even if they want to rent here they can't afford that and it's it's kind of devastating to our community so housing and like Greg and Wade mentioned, we're working on that. Childcare, we're working towards that as well. I think longer term, um, there's some economic development we need to do, especially diversifying our economy. We're seeing state government shrink as a portion of our local economy. And that's traditionally been kind of the driver of Juno. So I think we need to work on attracting other jobs of that kind of similar nature and like greg mentioned uh with remote work it's that's definitely a possibility we can bring new people to juno thanks carol treem i'm going to toss it over to clarice for the next question Alrighty, guys so many residents were surprised to see a new gas station being built in the wetlands prior assembly voted to rezone land parcels in the wetlands from rural reserve to industrial what is your perspective on how this zoning designation and the current land use meet community needs? Um, we'll start with Wade Bryson. You have 55 seconds. Ooh, could you repeat the question real quick? I was glitched out and I only heard a fraction of what you said, please. Yeah, absolutely. So many residents were surprised to see a new gas station being built in the wetlands. Prior assemblies voted to rezone land parcels in the wetlands from rural reserve to industrial. What is your perspective on how the zoning designation and the current land use meet community needs? Oh, thank you for the question. Okay, so uh, prior to us joining the assembly, one of the assembly's goals was to recognize and zone uh, industrial land. Uh, the city was afraid that there wasn't gonna be enough industrial land. And so at that time, uh, prior to us joining, that was the order of the day. We have since discovered that we don't need as much industrial land and they uh, that's what has allowed for uh, some of the zones to change. They're at least not going towards industrial anymore. Um, you know, a zoning issue is tough. Uh, we have the like comprehensive plan that gives us a guide on what our zones should be and how they should be working together. Um, so that way you don't have the wrong zones next to each other. Um, uh, it's a complicated issue and it's a, a controversial every time that it comes up. All right. Thank you, Wade Bryson. Uh, Carol, you're up and you have 55 seconds. Thank you. Um, I was also surprised to see that gas station. It seems uh, like an odd investment choice in the year 2022, but it is there. Um, yeah, the zoning issue is a complicated one, and I know that past assemblies have been really worried about our the availability of industrial land in Juneau. And like I mentioned earlier, I mean, for a lot of economic development reasons, I think they were concerned that we wouldn't have the necessary land available for industrial purposes. Um, you know, they were probably making the best choice with the best information that they had at the time. I think we're about to enter a cycle where we redo our comp plan, and that's something we should take a look at is what's the future of Juno and what are our needs going to be? Do we have the same needs now, and will we have the same needs in the future that we thought we did 10 or 20 years ago? So comp plan is the answer. All righty. Thank you, Carol Treem. Greg Smith, you have 55 seconds. Yeah, thanks. I, I, I don't know the details or, or, or the discussion regarding that rezone. Um, I, I guess rezoning more broadly. Um, we, we designate 
certain lands in a certain zone for, for a reason. And so it's important, um, I think, to look at a rezone carefully. Um, I, I, we're, we've been asked and, and, and are being asked to potentially rezone an area out in Peterson Hill um, for housing, which I'm obviously all of us are very in support of. Um, but it, it's something we need to look at carefully because it is essentially kind of changing the plan and kind of changing what a certain area was designated. And um, that does have impacts to neighbors and, and the community. Um, we don't take it lightly when we, as we do these plans. So um, it's something we need to keep an eye on. Alrighty, thank you, Greg Smith. Jennifer has the next question. Okay. Can the city adopt a property tax structure that encourages construction and discourages leaving lots empty? Example, um, uh, Franklin and Fourth downtown. Um, let's see, Carol Treem, you're up first, 55 seconds. Uh, thank you, I'm so glad you asked this question. Uh, currently, no, not with the state law, with Title 29, but I think we are working on um, advocating in the legislature that they change Title 29 that would allow Juneau and any other community in Alaska to have more flexibility with how we use property taxes as incentives or disincentives to try to get what the community needs. I think that we need to communicate that to our de local delegation and make sure that that's at the list of our priorities when we send those to the legislature, say we need this in our town to encourage housing, to discourage those vacant buildings that we see downtown that could be used by our local entrepreneurs. I know people want to buy them. So um, unfortunately the answer is that state law doesn't give us as much flexibility as I know this assembly would like, but we are trying to influence that in the legislature and trying to work on getting that changed. Great, thank you. Greg Smith, I'm gonna take this one too. Yeah. Carol, Carol hit it on the head. We, we actually, we had met with the city attorney about this issue um, just because we have heard from people downtown that there are some properties that are, blight isn't the right word, but that are just kind of, that are problematic for um, the, the appearance, the feel, the economic development of downtown. Um, and it is gonna take a legislative fix. It's something that we're, we're talking about looking into um, because downtown, it, 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 it's just important for us to get it right. It's just the economic activity that comes out of there, the jobs, the, the tax base, um, and just the, it's kind of being the gateway to our community for visitors. It's important that it, that it looks right and, and we should be able to use tools to make it the way that we want it. Great, thank you. Wade Bryson. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, so uh, Ms. Stream and Mr. Smith have a lot of the information town, and they are causing some development issues. So it's not just uh, vacant building owner issues. There's also the avalanche zones that has uh, directly stopped uh, a building sale and um, it has hampered another entity's desire to rentling uh, for housing. So that's another one of the issues that downtown housing housing has to face. And I hope you guys are getting at least some of my answer. Thank you. Yeah, we got we got most of that. Um, thank you, Wade Bryson. I'm tossing it over to Clarice for the next question. Thank you. So. Uh, next question, the mayor and assembly have been working to ensure adequate and affordable childcare um, that makes sure it's available to all families that request it. Um, what is your commitment to that goal and what additional steps, if any, do you believe should be taken to provide adequate, adequate childcare in Juneau? Um, we have Greg Smith, um, you have 55 seconds. Thank you, I, I think we're all everyone in the assembly and probably everyone in the community. I mean, we are committed to, to taking action because we know it is such an important issue for Juno families, for economy, um, and then also just for raising our, raising our children. Um, 
there, there are some more steps. Unfortunately, it really just is going to take more money. Um, Childcare in our state, in our community, in our state, in our nation is kind of a market failure, and that we just, it just, the price you pay for the service is just, it's not affordable, and um, it, it is what they call a market failure. And I, I, I think we can make investments. I'm hoping the state will continue to make investments, um, but. And then the federal government will hopefully be making investments because we have to do something different. It's, it just isn't working. Thanks. Thank you, Greg Smith. Wade Bryson, you're up next. You have 55 seconds. Thank you. Um, so I served on the mayor's child care task force uh, right when I got on the assembly. And, uh, you know, we moved a few hundred thousand dollars uh, to help solve the problem then. Uh, this assembly has put real money towards uh, assisting uh, and helping incentivize child cares to be able to um, grow their workforce, which is what is needed. Um, the other component of child care is that, uh, and Greg kind of was hinted to this, there's no value in the business. It's just a service-based model. And so it's not like you can have like a regular business, you can't go get a loan to to buy the equipment to then provide the services just you're either providing the service to the kids or it's not and it's not generating money and so uh, it does have a, a, a model that needs community assistance that's a good way to put it thank you thank you wade bryson carol treem you're up next and you have 55 seconds so um, Greg and Wade both mentioned the funding that we've done recently, and I think that has been great because it's gone to child care providers directly to help them retain and um, educate their staff and get their staff at a higher quality. I think it's great that we've given that to the private market here in town. I think we need to stop treating that as a one-time um, budget issue. It's kind of been, it's come up every year of do we want to keep supporting this? And I think obviously the answer is this community needs us to keep putting that financial support into childcare assistance. And finally, I think we also need to work with the school district on the rally program. I know some parents have had uh, some concerns with rally and I don't want the assembly to meddle in the business of the school district too much, but since that funding does get allocated by the assembly, I think there's an opportunity there for us to work to improve that program as well. All right, thank you, Carol Treem. Uh, Jennifer is gonna take it back over. Okay. Last year, the assembly asked the community development department to continue working on public outreach and information gathering regarding changes to the avalanche and mass wasting assessment zoning. Are residents endangered by the current zoning? And if so, how do you propose to facilitate a shift in res residential zoning? We'll start with Wade Bryson, who already brought up this issue. Um, you have 55 seconds. Well, we recently had uh, what I felt was one of the probably the most productive joint sessions between the assembly and the planning commission, where we were trying to hash out some of these complicated issues, finding out what their issues are. The are a better understanding of what minor changes they showed a chart took 16 meetings to be able to make one change um the only danger i see right now is is the prevention of development uh because that's the the harm that it's causing right now uh i'm not as concerned for avalanches thank you all right we got most of that one too um carol Treem, you're up next but this, this issue um, is hard for me to kind of wrap my head around the, the fatal landslides that have happened recently in Sitka and Haynes just kind of really shake me to my core. So I, I want us to move forward in a way that it keeps Juno residents as safe as possible. And hopefully we avoid the situations that have happened in other places, although landslides are so unpredictable that it's, it's hard to do. While also, um, you know, homeowners have a real vested interest in the value of their homes that they've kind of poured their life savings into. It's the biggest investment most people make ever in their entire lives. So that's a really fine 
balance. And I think what it's going to require is a lot of public process and a lot of information before we get to any decision making. And we have started that, but we kind of put it on the back burner while we worked on other things. And I think we need to get back to that and just continue that public process. Thanks, Carol Treem. Greg Smith, you have 55 seconds. Thank you. Um, in terms of your, the question about it, are, are people in danger? I, I don't, I don't think so. I think there, of course, are risks and things are unpredictable. Um, the intensity of some of our weather events are probably changing the field. Um, and so there, there may be parts of town that are, that are unsafe to develop and build. I, I, from what I understand, I mean, obviously, this is complicated technical work. Um, I, I don't think that every area listed as a moderate or severe hazard is an unsafe area. Um, we've asked the planning commission um, and the community development department to do more work and look into this. I, I believe there's more work to do in terms of working with local experts um, who know mass wasting in Juneau and Southeast and hopefully continue to update those maps and coming up with regulations that make sense. Thank you. All right, thanks, Greg Smith. And uh, you're in luck. Maurice has our last question. Thank you. So last question, which ballot measure outcome are you most interested in and what would you tell voters who are still undecided? Um, we're going to start with Carol Treem. You have 55 seconds. Um, I think the mandatory disclosure one is going to be uh, maybe the, the most unpredictable. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. Mandatory disclosure will help lower the property taxes and middle and low income homeowners because we'll even that out with the higher income properties that, that don't come on the market quite as frequently. I also wanna say that having that information out there in the housing market, this crazy housing market that we've seen will only help buyers and sellers when they have a full transparent you know, view of the housing market. They'll be able to make the best decisions based on that and not have that kind of be secretive and kept uh, you know, by the experts who, who will dole that information out when they feel that it will benefit them. So I would urge people to vote against that, uh, to vote no on the mandatory disclosure. That's how I will be voting, um, but it is a complicated one. All right, thank you, Carol Treem. Um, Greg Smith, you're up next and you have 55 seconds. Yeah, thanks. I, I think they're all important questions. There are four ballot questions this year. Um, I, I think the very key one um, is the 1% sales tax. Um, it's asked every five years of the voters and it is essentially extending the 1% sales tax that we currently have. And it provides funding and money to invest in our community. It has um, deferred maintenance for city and school facilities, docks and harbors, um, development of Telephone Hill, working on the parking garage, the North uh, SOB parking garage, um, energy efficiency improvements in the city, as well as some money, which is kind of unusual for a program, but it's something that we've talked about before that's so critical, childcare. So I'm hoping that will be supported and people will vote for the one, extending the 1% sales tax. All right, thank you, Greg Smith. Um, Wade Bryson, you're last and you have 55 seconds. Uh, thank you. Uh, so it's probably no secret now that I am an advocate uh, for the new City Hall. Um, I've been heading up the conversation as the Chair of Public Works and Facilities, um, and we were responsible with coming up with the best solution for City Hall. Uh, we're in an inadequate, undersized old building, and we pay rent for two-thirds of city government operations. Um, I truly believe we came up with the very best outcome, the best product that will provide the longest life uh, for the most Junoites. I uh, strongly ask the community to please support uh, yes on a new city hall. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Wade Bryson, and thanks for all picking different ones. If we had a fourth candidate, we could cover them all. Um, <laughs> but um, look for more information from, from KTOO and the Juno Empire about the ballot measures we're committed to, making sure that voters are informed on all of these. 
Um, that's it for questions. We're gonna wrap up candidates with candidates closing statements and we're gonna start with Greg Smith and you have one minute, an extra five seconds for these. So go for it. Thank you, Jennifer and Clarice um, for covering this, for putting this on to give the community a chance to hear from us and talk about these important issues um, and for your work to, to provide information to the, the public on, on the ballot measures and, and other things happening with the city. Um, it's a tremendous honor to serve on the assembly. Um, I was born and raised here and it's, it, I, I, I hope we are doing the work that the community wants. Um, there's obviously a lot of needs and a lot of priorities and things to work on, um, but I hope we do a good job with the guidance from staff to really focus on key community priorities. And um, if we aren't, write in and let us know, come and testify at um, assembly meetings, um, but hopefully with the nine of us kind of with our ears to the ground, knowing the community, we, we focus on the key things. Um, so please keep us, keep us letting us know what we need to do and remember to go out and vote um, on or before October 4th. Thank you. Thanks, Greg Smith. Okay, I think she may be frozen. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and uh, head to Wade Bryson. You have one minute. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm just so honored and privileged to be able to continue serving the community on the assembly. I really enjoy the responsibility. I enjoy going to the meetings. Um, Juno has a really high functioning assembly right now. Um, everybody brings a different perspective. We listen to each other. We learn from each other. Um, while not everybody always agrees with all of our outcomes and decisions, for the most part, we re really work well together. And I believe that we're providing a, a good outcome for the community and not having any opposition to the three. Um, maybe they're not having anybody in the direction that we're going. It, but it's been a privilege and honor, and I'm excited to serve three more years. So thank you very much for the time. Absolutely. I think we heard all of that. Um, and so now we're going to head it over to Carol Dream. You have one minute. Thank you. Um, I will echo what Greg and Wade said. It's These two gentlemen are a pleasure to serve with, as is the rest of the assembly. We truly do have an assembly that gets... Um, that's very productive, has a great working relationship. We get along well, and I think that makes us a better assembly and better outcomes for Juno. So I, it, it's truly a pleasure to be on the assembly, and it is an honor, like Greg said, that the community has put their trust in us to make good decisions, and I'm looking forward to another three years of doing that on the assembly with this group of people. Happy to see that it won't be changing. Um, I. I think that uh, you know we all have our hearts in the right place. I know that we're never going to all agree on something and that is a good thing. That's a good thing for the community of Juno that we have those different voices there present on the assembly. But I know that we're all working towards the same goal and that's to make Juno the best place that it can be for us and our families and for everybody else. And appreciate the opportunity. Thank you to Clarice and Jennifer and Kirsha and everybody else who helped uh, put this on. I hope, um, I, I know that Zoom is a very convenient and accessible way of doing things, but I do look forward to seeing you all in person at some point soon. So thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. So um, that wraps it up for the assembly portion of the forum. Um, we're going to now move the candidates for um, Juno School Board. Um, this is the 2022 virtual candidate forum from the League of Women Voters, KTOO. K-I-N-Y in the Juno Empire. Welcome to those of you that are listening to us on the radio or watching the live stream. Thank you. Okay, I am back. <laughs> we lost internet at the whole KTOO building, so I, I hope um, 
that there's been a somewhat continuous experience for those of you watching or, or tuning in. Um, we're getting ready for the school board candidates. There are two open seats on the school board this year. Emil Mackey and Dee Dee Sorensen are both on the ballot. We'll follow the same format we did for the assembly candidates. Each candidate has one minute to give their opening statement and then we'll go back and forth asking questions um, that the candidates will have 55 seconds to respond to. We'll end with one minute closing statements from each candidate. We'll start with Emil Mackey. You have one minute for your opening statement. Thank you. So <clears throat> I'm gonna lean forward for the microphone. I hear that I'm not always well heard on this system. <clears throat> After roughly uh, 15 years of essentially flat funding, our school district is starting to really feel severe effects of this. Um, we're expected to spend basically the same amount of money despite inflation compounded over 15 years. We have seen our PTR raise, which means the number of teachers per, or the number of students per teacher have risen purely because of these pressures. We have had successes. I do believe that we did a decent job of navigating COVID given the restrictions and the information at the time. But now that we've come out of COVID, how do we really look at this district moving forward. I think despite being unopposed, this is really the question moving forward. And the most important question probably Alaska has educationally um, statewide. All right, thank you. Dee Dee Sorensen, go ahead with your one minute. Thank you. <clears throat> um, I have been on the school board now for three years. I am a uh, retired teacher. I started teaching in 1973 and taught until 2018. So I, as a, as a board member, I have a very um, different breadth of, of concern for the school district. Like Mr. Mackey, I agree that funding is incredibly restricted. I mean, there is no way to put together the program that students need, particularly post COVID, you know, with the, um, you know, 60 cents on the dollar that the state is providing for us. Thank you. All right, thank you, Dee Dee Sorensen. We're gonna go into the questions. We'll start with Ellen Mackey. What are your ideas for encouraging students to go into career fields which most desperately need workers? You have 55 seconds. As a board member, I really don't have the authority to really implement any uh, ideas. But what I would like to see is, is us have a broader engagement um, of career awareness, as well as career development, as well as apprenticeship opportunities while still attending high school. Um, I think that since I've been on the board, um, it's come up almost every single year and every single year, I always bring up why aren't we working more with um, uh, uh, apprenticeship programs. I think that's essential because we have to engage the apprenticeship programs in order to have the number of plumbers, electricians, boiler workers, every pipe fitters that we need both locally as well as statewide we really, really need to reach out to those, those workers in addition to our resources for colleges um, uh, and technical schools. Thank you. Dee Dee Sorensen, you have 55 seconds. Thank you. Um, our uh, career and technical education has um, slowly been building back up. I mean, it suffered a dramatic, well, for lack of a better word, collapse, you know, uh, probably 25 years ago when the attitude was that the only thing that was, you know, important for a student was to be prepared for college. And that has certainly come back to um, bite us. The, um, the career and the things that Dr. Mackey mentioned with the apprenticeships and being able to utilize time during the school year 
I think is incredibly important, as is our work with the university that has a variety of programs that offer career certificates. You always get to finish your sentence as long as it's not too long. Um, thank you. I'm going to hand it over to uh, Clarice for the next question. All right. Thank you. So we're going to go back to Didi Sorsen again. Um, who are some community partners that could enhance the education and well-being of our students? You have 55 seconds. Well, we um, work with a large number of community partners. Um, we work with um, the Alaska and Gold Belt and Plinkett Haida. We work with the um, with um, trying to blank here with the uh, Juno uh, Association for Young Children. We um, have over the years have had much help from Rotary um, in a variety of different projects that that we've uh, um, handled. We've had in past years and we need to re-up our people who come into our schools and into our elementary schools and read with our children like the Coast Guard and uh, uh, retired Alaskans. Perfect, thank you. Um, Emil Mackey, you go um, next and you have one minute, or sorry, 55 seconds. Not, you don't get the extra five seconds, unfortunately. It's okay. No, um, I, I think we actually have an abundance of, uh, of volunteer organizations that actually help in our school. Um, so I'm gonna kind of pivot on this um, and go back to CCE in a way. I think one thing that we really need that would actually help our school district is actually for one of the high schools to have an ROTC program. ROTC not only creates, uh, is not only a missing element that's available in most of the other urban school districts, it is one of the greatest of the vocational educators in the world. Now, I know a lot of people don't necessarily, are not, don't necessarily have a affinity for military career shifts. Um, but that being said, there is a great deal uh, to gain in this community from students that have no other options than to find an apprenticeship or a military service or something that um, will help them discover themselves and create a lifelong earnings for themselves. And I think an ROTC program would help with that discovery across a, a great deal of, um, of areas. All righty, thank you. I'm gonna hand it back over to Jennifer. Okay, and we'll, we'll start with Amo Mackey again this time. How are we, I think, meaning the school district, supporting staff members in professional development? Um, that's actually been a huge focus um, for the school district ever since I was first elected back in 2015. Um, and I think we've continued to basically uh, grow that. And that also is, is, is usually a point that the teachers remind us of during the negotiated agreements. So it's kind of a win-win. We want to see successful teachers, and the teachers uh, genuinely want to be successful teachers. So I think it's very important for us to continue to provide the time and the resources um, needed in order to support um, uh, ongoing teacher learning, both in the classroom, as well as resource development, as well as um, 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 uh, well, every other method that we can think of for them to continue to grow professionally. Thank you. Didi Sorensen? Um, I guess one of the most recent, um, not recent, but in the last few years, um, professional development um, opportunity for elementary teachers has been basic, has been uh, a different approach to um, teaching reading, uh, a more, uh, um, some people call it the science of reading. It's a program that is peer, is peer reviewed, looking at um, how children best learn to read, what's the best way to help most children learn to read versus having someone just sell you a textbook which has proved pretty disastrous for us in the past. And we have a big statewide uh, STEAM or STEM science technology um, 
conference coming up for our teachers this October. Great, thank you. Clarice has the next question. Well, speaking of technology, um, how are we keeping up with uh, technological demands? We'll start with you, Edie Sorensen. Well, how are we keeping up with technological demands? We uh, really boosted our uh, the numbers of our technological pieces of equipment during the pandemic. Um, not all of them came back to us, so we have continued to um, add to that. Um, we were fortunate in getting federal monies to help with that. Um, Actually, our, you know, I mean, we, we spend a considerable amount of money on the licensure for a whole range of different um, platforms for our students and for all kinds of different communication with families, um, technical education. Uh, so we, we do what we can with the money that we have, and it is a priority. Alrighty, thank you. Emil Mackey, you have 55 seconds. Thank you. Um, first of all, I just want to acknowledge something, and I cannot remember specifically, but it was either Sealaska or Gold Belt, and I apologize, I can't remember which one of those two, donated a massive number of, of laptops during the um, um, pandemic, and that was a game changer. Um, the downside to that is, is that we don't have enough money to maintain them. So even though they're here, I don't know what's going to happen two or three years from now when we have to cycle these out because we're cycling them out with what our with what our budgetary capacity is, and that's too low. That being said, um, I think that we have to expand our focus on technological education. There are some students that thrive with a blended education delivery. I think we should continue to support that. Some have moved to homeschool, but still want to be associated with the district. We have to continue to support them. Some need a teacher. And by the way, a teacher is the most important piece of technology we have. We have to continue to develop them as well. All righty, thank you. Um, Jennifer has the final question. All right, it's a big one. The pandemic has seriously interrupted teaching and learning over the past two years. We're learning more and more about that. What strategies do you propose to help mitigate any loss of academic proficiency as a result? And we'll start with Emma Mackey. My child started kindergarten this year. I will openly tell you, he showed signs of the pandemic. The time that his preschool was shut down, he delayed his speech development. He delayed um, a lot of things. And he's not alone in this community. But we had to do what we had to do. And with the information that we had, I think we did the right thing at the time. But honestly, we need to continue to support those kids. I would like to see us have something similar to rally, but for um, um, skill recovery. Um, I would also like to see us continue to invest in summer programs to also allow students um, to have what I would call skill recovery. Um, I think this is something that's going to haunt us throughout the, uh, the next um, um, 12 to 15 years, um, but it's just a reality we're going to have to adjust for and we need the budget for it. All right, thank you. Dee Dee Sorensen. Well, um, we have used our um, federal pandemic money to supplement our budget to reduce class size. And it's, it's still too high given the, um, the, the losses that many students um, suffered during the pandemic. And I mean, I want to be clear here, not all students lost a ton of ground, but for those that did, we have a lot to help, a lot, lot to do to help, help them catch up. And we also, in that balance, the, I think, for many students, the biggest loss was um, the loss of, of the social piece and learning to get along and all of the um, fundamental skills of, of being in school and being in society. All right, thank you. 
Well, that was all of the questions. You guys did great. Um, candidates now have one minute each to give their closing statements. We'll start with Emil Mackey. You have one minute. Thank you. <clears throat> Both Didi and I are unopposed. Um, and this is still an important election, and, and I want to explain why. I personally believe that we can no longer continue to just kind of tinker around the edges and incrementally change this district. I think the time has come in order to revision this district at a fundamental level and figure out where we want to be five years from now so that we can create a plan to get there. We're currently looking at a strategic plan, but I think we need to go back and we need to revision where we're going. We cannot continue to do the same things with flat funding, and there's no clue that the state is going to change this. Until the state changes it, we have to figure out how to make things work with what we have, and I don't see how we can physically do that um, under the same system we have now. So if you vote for me, please vote for me if you believe that this is something we need to undertake as a board because it will send a clue to the school board that bold change is needed. All righty, thank you. And now Dee Dee Sorensen, you have one minute. Thank you. Um, I uh, am looking forward to the next three years on the board um, because I really believe as a um, former teacher and the direction that the schools, particularly at the elementary are are moving. Um, and unfortunately for all of us, uh, being able to determine how things are going is a long process. You know, it's sort of like this, you know, longitudinal process that takes about 12 years. Um, I am hopeful in the work that we're doing. I think we have schools filled with committed individuals, committed teachers who really want to do the best they can for their students and i think that you know and we have administrators who are also committed i i it's just unfortunate that we're trying to do it you know with uh nickels instead of dollars all right thank you emma mackey and Dee Dee Sorensen, and thank you to those of you who joined us for tonight's forum if you missed part of it, you can find the full video at junoempire.com, ptoo.org, and junolwv.org. I think that version will have the minute or two that we lost during the broadcast too. So um, the Zoom kept going, so we should be able to have the full, full program for you. Um, you can find more local election coverage, voter information, and candidate profiles on all of our websites too. Yeah, and uh, we wanna say thank you to the League of Women Voters for co-sponsoring this forum with KTOO, KINY, and the Juno Empire. Um, and to the voters in Juno, be sure to return your mail-in ballots on or before election day, October 4th. Ballots can be returned by mail, dropped off at a secure ballot box at the Douglas Library or Statter Harbor starting tomorrow, September 15th, or at vote centers, um, at City Hall or the Mendenhall Valley Public Library starting September 19th. The ballots uh, have to be mailed and they have to be postmarked by October 4th. Uh, if you do mail them and ballots that are brought to the drop boxes have to be there by 8 p.m. on October 4th. You can also drop off ballots or request a replacement ballot in person at City Hall or the Valley Library. You can find more information on our city's website, juno.org slash election. Thank you very much and have a nice night.